0: Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. I am so excited about this new series. I woke up at five this morning. Excited to preach it. I thought I was a little disappointed that I had, you know, four and a half hours to wait to do it today. To be honest with you, this is, this is something that's been on my heart to share. And, and what I want to do in, in a few minutes, I'm going to make a confession on something that the Lord has been convicting my heart about. But before we do, we were, going to, we're going to talk about grace here for the month of September. And grace is a wonderful experience to have. And and grace is a word that we use a lot in the church. But I find that it's one of those words like love. It's kind of thrown out there in so many different ways. And so today, as we start this series, I I had took some time in the last couple weeks and getting ready that God has brought some conviction in my heart and has revealed some things that I actually need to go back and apologize to about. That it affects my leading, it affects my preaching and teaching. And so when I do that, I think you'll understand where I'm going, hopefully, when, when I do. But last, uh, last Labor Day, I don't know what you had planned, but my, my family, each year, Labor Day, we drive to Tacoma. We have a family gathering, we celebrate birthdays. And on the way back, like many of us who drive on holiday weekends, there was a lot of state troopers out and they are all over, and there's times, and it wasn't then, but when you might have felt it when you're driving down the road, and you, you, you feel it before you see it, but you, you know all of a sudden there's a commotion behind you, and there is some red and blue flashing lights. Some of you, you don't have to admit it, but you know that feeling where you're going, oh no, is it for me? Is that for me? Is it? And when that happens, I, I usually get kind of my heart starts beating just a little bit more, and I get a little cold chill down my spine. And then and I look down, and I'm like, oh, it could be for me too. <laughs> and as they're approaching and, and making headway toward you, you're going, okay, well, it's, it, it's going to be me. It's probably going to be me. And then just when you think you need to pull over, they fly right by you and they pull over the red sports car down <laughs> the, the thing. And sometimes after a minute, I'm going, Good, they got that guy because he was flying by me at 85 miles an hour. He deserves that, right? You've thought that too. But many times it's me going, oh, I am so glad that was not me. And as you pass by the poor sap and he's giving out his driver's license, insurance, and, 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 and you're just going, oh, and, and maybe, I don't know if you said these words, but you thought this probably at some point. Oh, but the, for the grace of God, there go I. And you're just like, relieved, that wasn't me. See, grace in our minds, many of us feel it that way. It's like we're kind of getting off the hook of something. We, we love grace. We love receiving grace. We make excuses, though, of, of the grace that we need. We, we, we say, hey, give me a break. Can I, 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 give me off, I want to get off the hook on this thing. I, you don't understand what's happening. And, and some people will then extend grace to us. And we're like, oh, man, I'm so glad I received that, that break that's there. But on the opposite, as much as we, we like to receive grace, we, we have a tough time giving it. We have a tough time giving grace, especially people who we think don't deserve that grace. They don't deserve getting off on something and get off the hook of something. And then we, we say things like, well, if I, if I let you off the hook, if I give you grace, then I got to let everybody get grace. But for some of us who are people-pleasing at heart at times, we go, we'll give breaks, we'll give breaks, and we end up enabling people that they're not taking responsibility and consequences. And then I think the worst part of when it comes to grace is not giving ourselves grace, and so what happens is we get caught up, and we're a worse critic, and we, we get caught up in shame and guilt we feel and the choices that we made. So grace is one of those wonderful things that we sing about and celebrate and talk about, but do we really understand it when it comes to our, our Christian faith? And so recently I've had some concerns, and I would say it was within my own feel. It was kind of the same feeling as I was as, as that chill over my, my, my spine as the state trooper goes around me and, and, and passes by me. It's the same feeling I had as I was reading through my Bible and doing some reading on my own, some morning times with the Lord that it, has that affected me quite greatly. But what is grace? I mean, we're going to spend a few weeks together talking about it. Let's just get to... Grace. What is grace? There's a wonderful definition, and I do think it's a good definition of grace, is that it's called unmerited favor. Maybe you've heard that before. It's unmerited favor. I think it's a great thing. It means receiving something you didn't earn, or you couldn't purchase. But what we confuse grace many times is with mercy. See, when the, when the state triple went around me, he didn't give me grace. He gave me mercy. He gave me, well, he didn't give me something I did deserve. I deserve because, well, you know, I don't know where the, you know, fudging over the speed. I I could have on all technicalities should have been pulled or should have got a ticket based on the, the law. But he, he went around me. He passed by me. So he didn't give me grace. He actually gave me mercy. Something, something that I did deserve was a ticket, but actually didn't get. Grace is different. Grace is something that we do receive that we don't deserve. The word in Greek, if you want to learn, learn a Greek word, it's all throughout the New Testament. It's this word, in, in, it's called in Greek, karos, means grace. It's an act of kindness, favor, and a gift. Now, if you've been around the Christian church for a while, have been involved in Christian faith, you've been in church for a while, you know how grace we receive and believe as a gift, and it is. It's the essential part of our very salvation. Then the anchor scripture that we cu- communicate and believe and hold to—it's one of the best scriptures in the New Testament. Describes salvation, and what we truly have is this gift, is Ephesians two eight. And I would like you to read it with me out loud. This is for some of you like I know this already, but some of you are like maybe this is new. But this is this is a great description of, of the chaos gift of God. Can you read it with me? For as by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not for yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. That's it. It's a gift, this beautiful, amazing gift. That's something that we don't earn or deserve and we can't boast about it. I love uh, Eugene Peterson in the message translation or paraphrase. This is what he says, what he he says of, of grace. He says, "It's saving is all his idea, all God's idea, all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play a major role. If we did, we'd go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No. We either make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. Isn't that powerful? It's not us. It's not us. I am grateful for what God has done and saving my very soul. There's nothing I can do to earn, borrow, beg, or brown-nose God to get salvation, to be right standing before God. And the opposite, you need to hear this, some of you need to hear this today, that nothing you've done that is dark or sinful or as twisted, as horrible that you've done, none of that can eliminate you from receiving this amazing gift called grace. God's gift of grace to us. It is, as we sing and sing, the most famous song in the world, amazing grace. And that hour that we first Believe. Do you remember the hour? Do you remember the moment? If you're you would say I'm a Christian, I'm a a believer in Christ, that moment you were saved. I remember 1984, I've said it over and over, Lakeside Bible Camp and that little chapel, that moment I received Christ as my Lord and my Savior. It's my salvation moment. That time I can point back to that my soul was saved. I knew my eternal destination. But what I didn't know. And where I feel convicted even here today as a pastor to tell you is that there was something missing even in that. See, what led to me in my life was this. It led to some dark, lonely years. The next couple years, were, in fact, I would say some of the worst years of my life. Lost my father who passed away. Did not have friends. I was in a lonely, lonely, dark place. What, if I would die, I would have gone to heaven. Sure, I, I believe I would have. But I was in a bad place. I was a bad place emotionally. I was, I was still in a place of lostness, even though I was saved. Because there was, until there was this invitation that was given to me by a group of people, there was a gap that was in my life that was missing. See, grace is not just believing and not just in the saving. That is what it is. But it's, it's so much more. See, looking back at my story, maybe the story of you, your lives, I found this, that belief wasn't enough. And it's never enough. In fact, if, if you look back at the church in the last hundred years, as much as there's been, quote, success that's happened in evangelistic crusades and revival meetings and altar calls and hands raised and coming forward moments and all focused on this, focus on a decision to believe in Jesus. Nothing wrong with that, but it's the decision. Nothing diminished the decision. It's a decision made last week at the, this this service, 11 o'clock service. Three people gave, the, they raised their hand and made a decision to be followers of Christ. Some point, decision matters. I never want to take away from the opportunity for people to make a decision. But what eats at me and has ate at me in the last several years, and just come to this fruition here and just in the last couple of weeks, that, all these years we've had people raise their hands and decision is a good start. Have we missed something? And that's the cold chill that goes down my bones is this is that with the raised hands and the prayers are repeated, and even people dunked in water, the chill down my spine is, and a confession I have as a pastor, is there's times, there's times that I communicated a forgiveness-only gospel. There's times that I only communicated forgiveness-only gospel that Yes, Jesus forgives our sin. Yes, he saves our soul. And we confess him as Lord and Savior. As much as that's the work of grace, it's only the half work of grace. There's a full work that needs to still take place. If it's only focused on forgiveness, we're simply approaching God's grace as a spiritual bar of soap that cleanses us in a short period of time. And then we go on in our week and do the way we want to do life. I'm not saying you, 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 you know, get... You act like a saint on Sunday and live like hell during the week. I don't think there's a lot of people that do that. But there's somewhere in the between. There's a gap that's missing. There's a gap that's missing. And I would say as a pastor, there is times, I want to confess to you, that I've promoted the forgiveness only gospel. And I've missed the opportunities to really try to bring what really truly is the whole gospel that's there. Nothing wrong with being clean. Nothing wrong for our soul to be unburdened, guilt be removed, but short-lived. That we just kind of wash ourselves down with God's forgiveness and, and through grace, and then we move on to the, through the week. I'm wondering if, it's not just us, but I'm wondering if you think about the Western church here in the last few decades. You wonder how the church maybe has gotten soft. It's gotten selfish. It's gotten consumeristic because of this. Of a forgiveness only, what's in it for me? Consumer mentality gospel. I'm wondering. I'm wondering if we've done if it's been coined many years ago and people have used it. I wonder if it's a version What we would say is cheap grace, a cheapened version of grace. It's not truly God's grace. This keros gift of grace. We've maybe believed a knockoff version of grace. Have you, you ever bought a knockoff? You ever bought, like, this week, or maybe you bought something, like, that's not, I, I, when we did mission work in, in Mexico, we remember taking students through, And we stopped in Tijuana, how, how many of have ever shopped in Tijuana, Mexico? Come on. It is a experience in itself. Everybody should do it one time. You're going through it. And what you do, you, you barter and haggle. I remember, you know, working with somebody and buying something, and then I'm like, no, I don't want it. And then I walk down the street, and the guy's chasing after me, and, oh, I'll give you a good deal. I remember with, uh, my wife, we, we bought some things that were name brand, I bought five pairs of Oakleys for $20, okay? They're not, you know, and, and, and my wife bought a Gucci purse. I, I bought a Swiss Army watch. Well, I'll tell you what, the, all the glasses broke the time I got back from my trip. The Gucci bag strap, you know, broke. The watch stopped, never could get it working again. The only thing after 23 years, looking back, 23 years was this belt, that I still have. Why? Because this belt is genuine leather. I bought it in Tijuana, Mexico. I still wear it, okay? What does it tell you? What really is true stays. See, I'm just wondering. Go with me on this. I'm wondering the reason we lacked Christ's power, the reason we lacked the strength of the Spirit of God in us, is that we've been suckered into simply accepting a cheap knockoff version of grace, But I could beat myself up about that. I don't want to beat you guys up about that. Well, the Apostle Paul, who even in the infancy of the, the start of the church, realized and did a timeout and go, whoa, 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 whoa. We're missing something. We're, we're cheapening something that's so, so valuable. Romans 6, 1, Paul says this. What shall we say then? Should we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Those of us have experienced this amazing grace, this transforming grace of God as this precious gift, this gift that, that Jesus sacrificed, this expensive gift of his very body, his very blood that was given, torture, beaten, put to the cross for us, grace, why would we cheapen it? Why would we think that we could, we could experience this forgiveness and this grace and then we move on and then, and then we come back to, oh, my bad, my bad. And we go back again and we go on this, yo, why do you, Paul said, how can we do this? Well, I think it comes down to a couple things. It's, it's ignorance. We didn't realize it. I think we can give ourselves benefit out on the level which I want to unpack here in a moment. And two, it's, it's, let's be honest, it's disobedience. We know better, but we say, well, but for the grace of God, there go I. We've made an excuse and we've cheapened it. I know I've cheapened it. I've communicated times this precious gift that was there. Have we missed it? Believing a forgiveness only gospel. This keros gift, this amazing gift. And so my heart, my prayer is this, that we no longer treat this grace gift as a, as a bar of spiritual soap, but really a calling into a very purpose and, and identity of who we are and what we're called to be. And I think a great example is, is, a, is a gentleman named John Bradford. And some of you are like, who's John Bradford? Well, John Bradford's the one of the who said those words, but for the grace of God, there go I. You, you want to look at the story of, of John Bradford. John, John Bradford was far from making grace an excuse for achieving God's grace. In fact, he is the one who said those words, and those words as he's going up to be burned at the stake in 1555. That John Bradford is the one. Legendary says before he was being burned at stake for being a martyr of Christ, he says, but for the grace of God, there goes John Bradford. He realized that the grace of God was not just for forgiveness of sin and as a bar of soap and empowerment, a whole new life in God's kingdom. Here's the thing: why would it be any different today? Why would it be any different today? Let me just leave you with this thought, and this I hope this would encourage you toward what's next. Is this the grace of God is not just an exemption, but an invitation. The grace of God is not just an exemption. It's not just excuse. It's not just forgiveness only. It's an invitation to something far, far greater. It's not to get off the hook or get out of, but an invitation into. An invitation that after those dark, lonely couple years, that some friends that love me so much invited me in and says, will you join us in doing something that's so amazing? Not based on just the decision you made, or just converting to be a Christian, just believing, but a call to be a disciple. See, the the very last words, after his resurrection, before he ascended to heaven, gave us the great commission. And you know this, you know it really well, you've been around for a while, it's this, therefore go and make decisions of all nations. No, no. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The very job, the one job, is not called to convert people's decision, but to call people into disciple-making lives. It is Jesus' way to do that. And as I was reading through the gospel, of Mark, I, I was putting in, it's so basic, but putting myself in the eyes of Jesus and how He's equipping and making disciples. And I'm thinking, if if we're called, if our one job is to make disciples, who's the best to show us how to do it? It's Jesus. He's the one that's gonna show us moving from not just believing, but this invitation for you and for me as well. Chapter 1, it says this. John, Jesus is baptized. He's, he's, he's tested in the desert for 40 days by the devil. And this is what he says at the beginning of his public ministry. It says that Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The good news. How am I tell you, when you got good news, you can't help but share it, don't you? Now, let me just ask, how many of you... How many of you, when you talk about, hey, do you want the good news or the bad news? How many want the bad news first? Are you bad news first, and then you want the good news? That's me. I want, the, I want the bad news first. I want to rip the band-aid off. I want to get to the good news. How many rather have the good news first? Raise your hand. Okay, a few of you. You, you want the good news to help you, so you, when you get to the bad news, like, at least I got the good news. Hopefully, the good news is better than the bad news, right? We're there. I want to give you good news. I am going to give you fantastic. I can't help but share it. The good news here today is this: that many of you have been praying for the lease situation next door in our this parking lot. That we need the lease. We need this lease agreement to move forward, so we can do the project on in our building, building a new building. And so we had a lot of craziness over the summer, and everything happened. And so those, the parties that own that, said, "No, we're going to yes, we're going to honor the lease that we have with you." Can we give God a hand for that? Some of you know, you've been praying for that. That's that's good news. I can't help but to share that. And that's what Jesus is saying to us here. The time has come. He says that the kingdom of God has come near. That's the good news. What? The good news is the kingdom of God has come near. How did it come near? It came right to them. And it personified in Jesus. John says this. he, He came full of grace and truth. Peter says we beheld his majesty. King of the kingdoms right there. And Jesus says, it's me. The kingdom has come. And what it's interesting, when Jesus makes declarations, we're going, yeah, Jesus, your kingdom is awesome. It's wonderful. Every single place that I read in the gospels, when Jesus made a declaration, he also gave an imperative. Yeah, this is what I want you to do. And that's what Jesus does. He declares the next statement an imperative call. He says these words, repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. And many of you have heard, it's kind of, sometimes we use the word repent. It almost seems old-fashioned, unfortunately. But it's a really, really important word. But people misunderstand what really repentance is. Repentance actually means a changing of one's mind. And so this happens internally. Like when Paul says, you know, do not be conformed to the, to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's a work of repentance. It's actually in our brain that, that we're actually making decisions and, and choices and, and a choice that we make. But it's not in, just internal, but it also literally means not only a changing of mind, but a changing of your head. So if you want to go in the opposite direction, I know you can walk backwards, not very efficient. But really what you do before your body goes in the, the other direction is you got to turn your head. It's kind of hard to walk without, you know, you got to turn your head so your body falls with it. That's what, Paul, that's what Jesus is actually saying. And the word repentance is changing and going the, the opposite direction. Starts with the head. Starts with the mental ascent. It starts with a decision, but it leads to actually our footsteps following our head repentance. See, I'm wondering at times if we've bought into this forgiveness gospel that we confess our sins, we say sorry for our sins, my bad God, your grace is enough, your grace is sufficient. We sing all these songs about this grace. Is it there when we not decided to make a choice to go in the opposite direction of the sin that we cheapen the grace of God over and over and over and over again? and we live in shame and we live in guilt and we live weak pathetic lives because all we need to do as much as it, it's difficult in the, in the choice we make to be empowered to go, God, I'm going in the direction of you. I'm, I'm leading this, this direction of my life, my sin, my, my sinful nature. I want to go the opposite way. Remember, Paul says you died to that old life. Now there's this new life that is there. So repent, go in the opposite direction, go toward Jesus. But then he says, believe, repent and believe. Now, now, the word believe, you've got to make sure it's not a passive word. It doesn't mean just to, just to agree with someone. Oh, I believe. It, there's a start of that. But believe is so much more. Just to believe and, and just, yeah, I believe in, in God. Well, the, the Bible says demons believe in God and shudder. What does it really mean to believe? Well, there's another Greek word to throw at you today. It's this word pistos. And pistos is this word that means belief, faith, and trust. And you look through the New Testament Greek and you see the, the, the derivative of these words throughout. And you see it coming up. Pistos, pistos, pistos. And it just, they're pretty simultaneous in, in the different aspects of belief, trust, and faith. See, today you, you experience pistas today is because you came after the mess, after the worship, you sat down after greeting, and there you are. You are trusting in right here, sitting in a seat in faith. And you're like, what does that mean? It's like, well, the word pistas really means, it means this. It means to put your full weight and trust in someone or something. You did that today. You trusted the chair to hold you up. And that's what we're really, we're putting our very lives, our very, our very peace thoughts, our very self in the hands of Jesus that he would hold us up. And some of you know what that's like, where that's all you had was Jesus. And he held you and he held held you in his arms and and got you through what you're getting through. And that's faith and trust and belief in him. But there's more to it. There's more to it. Jesus saying, yes, repent and believe. And we're going, great, I'm moving on. No, no, no. That's only half the gospel. That's only the half a work of this keros gift of grace. Because if we just leave with that, we just become fans of Jesus. And Jesus had a lot of fans. He had crowds of people. I know there's going to be a lot gathering for the Seahawks today and the stadium today. And there's a lot of people that are going to do that. But there's cheering that went on back in the day for Jesus. And they saw him heal. And they saw him cast out demons and taught so many amazing things he did. And we're like, yeah, Jesus, that's amazing. And people would say, hey, come and see. Come and see what the Lord has done. Look at what he's done and what he's accomplished. I think it's great. I think being a fan of Jesus is great. I'm a fan of Seahawks fan. I'm not going to apologize for that. But I'm my fan. My fan level only goes so far that I'm cheering from my my armchair. I'm I'm cheering from my couch. I'm not on the field. I'm not in the arena. Repenting, believing just makes us fans. But there's an invitation far beyond that. That grace is not just this exemption, this invitation. Here's the invitation. Some of you know this already. Here it is. He says, repent and believe the kingdom of God is here. And then Jesus comes along He says, as he's walking beside the sea of Galilee, next, he saw Simon, his brother Andrew, casting nets on the lake. From there were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. And I was send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. They left their livelihood. They left everything. They dropped it all. And they, they followed Jesus. And, and we can read in Luke's account where Peter is so broken over what the calling that Jesus had for him that he, he repents. He says, Lord, I'm a sinful man. And Jesus realized the honesty of his heart and the other guys that are gathered and says, come follow me. I've got a better plan. I've got a better thing. And they began to follow. And they had no idea what following meant. They had no idea the sacrifice that they're going to go through as they saw their Lord and their, and, and their, their leader go to his death, that they did not know that they also would experience the same as those disciples would end up being apostles of the church and the founders of the church. Then they're being martyred. Every single one of them, even John on Patmos in his old age was exiled and then eventually died all for the sake of Christ. Now we look at that and we go, well, it's different today. That's, that's different. That's a different century. It's a different thing. Did you know, according to Open Door USA, the website, they talk about that there is more martyrs that have happened in the last hundred years for the call of Christ, the, the, the standing up for Christ, than all the centuries combined. You're thinking, well, how can that be? Because we live in this, per, this really small little bubble of comfort. And then I'm wondering, why are we so weak because of it? Do we really know the cost? And I know that we live, and you might, you might, you and I might at some point be physically put to death for the sake of Christ, and that might happen. We don't want to get away with that being a possibility. But in all practical terms, I don't think that's gonna happen for us for us this week. What's gonna happen though is another death and a harder death. And it's death to ourselves. Jesus continued on as he called them to follow. He said these words to them later on in Luke. He said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. Paul. Apostle Paul, one of the Christian martyrs in the first century, wrote in Galatians, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So what does that mean for us today? It means everything. It means that we're not just going to believe a forgiveness-only gospel that we're challenged with, to, to repent and believe as much as those part of what we need to do. But following Jesus isn't falling on in, into death. Well, what has to, what has to die? We have to die. We have to die? Yeah, die daily. Well, what does that look like? A couple weeks ago, I, I, I journal sometimes. I'm not really great at journaling. Like, it's not every and like, all oh, these journals. But there's times in the morning, like, I need to write some stuff down. And, and one day, I just felt like I needed to pull up the journal. And I needed to write down, I needed to write down what I needed to die to. And I had it saved from the last service. <laughs> You'd think I would know the list. I got it. August 15th. Almost a month ago. What must die in me? This is how, I don't know this really. But this is what I had to, the world is out to get me mentality. Forget Fairness. I must die to what I don't have, discontentment, curse of comparison, low self-esteem, ego, pride, entitlement. Next page. Control. My way. Perfectionism. Idealism. Seeking easy roads. Fear of losing out. Selfishness and self-centeredness. Selfish ambition. Church attendance. Oh, pastor. Doubt, negative attitude, impatience, angst toward a system that's out of my control. Regret, beat myself up of past decisions. Dwelling on what once was is better than today. What's, what, who's leaving next? Focus on comparing what I can't control. A lot of control in this. Anxiety, people pleasing. And then I put at the bottom, shame how big this list is. <laughs> I didn't think it would be that many things. And I probably could go on if I took, I was like, okay, that's enough punishment to myself. But here's the thing, it's that practical. What needs to die in you? Is it just to be right? Is it just to have your way? What is it that's in that level for you to die? And and, and here's the thing, you're going, that just sounds not fun. That doesn't sound fun to die. What are you talking about? Well, if you truly want to experience the life of Jesus, it is through death. And what confuses people is saying, well, wait a second. Jesus did all the dying. He did all the, yes, he did. He, he modeled it for us. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. It's a gift. But the dying process, because you can't have life without death. You can't have a resurrection without crucifixion. What has to crucify in us is our flesh, our, our sinful desires and things. So we, we grow in this Christ likeness that he has for us. But there's more to that. There's even more of that. The dying to self and getting, it's not just getting so perfect and so mature to look at us, how great we are. No, it's not to be a mature adult. It's actually to be a parent. It's actually what we have now, it turns toward others. It's not just forgiveness for us. It's not just growing in Christ's likeness for us. God can just take us to heaven for that, but we miss the very purpose, the very keros gift. Almost done here. Ephesians 2.8. I quoted it earlier. For by grace you are saved through faith. It's not of yourselves it's the gift of God, not by works that no man can boast. But don't forget verse 10. If we only say eight and nine, we miss. It's only forgiveness gospel. We need to make sure the purpose of it all is this. For we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus. Verse 10. To do good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. That's the work. The grace, Caros' work, not just for us, but the work to be done. The transformation happens through us, but in us, but through us. To go, not just to make converts, and pray with sinners, to sinners prayer, to make decisions, but go and make disciples. See, what happens is this, this declarative has been made, that our jobs is to declare what Jesus declared. I got good news. Good news. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is here. Through Christ's spirit, the kingdom of God is in us. It's here. We're not here to boast about it. We're not the king, the king of our own kingdom. The king is in us. And with that calls this imperatives. The imperatives started with this. Come and see. Jesus' words that lead us out of cheap grace. Come and see. Come and see. We're here today. You came and see. Experience the Lord, being a part of it. But there's more to that what does he say? Repent and believe. Repent means don't go that way anymore longer. Turn around, turn your head, turn your mind in a different direction so you can go Jesus' pathway and then believe. Not just, not just having a mental ascent, but actually trusting in your full way of your life upon the Lord. But even more than that, it is follow me. Jesus says, follow me. Follow me unto death till so life can come. But that's even more than that. It's this to go and make, to go and make. And if we spend time in fulfilling what God has for us, it will not cheapen this grace any longer. But His grace will empower us to see amazing things, amazing work done, not cheapening it, not making it about us our selfish version of it. That's the work. I am committing to do better. I am committing to do better, that I challenge you, you and I as a church, we can do better. It's us choosing this sold out discipleship work, the hard work, the soul work, the daily work, the people work, the not wimp out work, to be courageous and called by God through Christ in this work to a hurting, broken world that so desperately needs it. I'm gonna invite our team to come and here's the challenge as we pray and simply this this week. Be one, make one. Be one, make one. What does that mean? If you're not a disciple of Jesus, choose the word or the invitation of Jesus says, come follow me. If you're here and you've been bought into a cheap knockoff version of grace that you're just getting a bar of spiritual soap on Sunday and scrubbing up and feeling good about yourself and then go live the way you want to live during the week, not only is that wrong, (laughs) you're but you're missing out you're missing out on the whole purpose of all yes is to save your soul yes is to be clean before the lord but there's so much more than being clean there's so much more than being forgiven there's a great purpose that he has for our lives and what that requires is re- true repentance true belief in him and truly taking this invitation no longer grace is an excuse but an invitation to come follow him and to come follow him is to follow him and being a disciple to make disciples. And so if you're here today and you're not a disciple, to say, I want to be a disciple. I want to encourage you with this. Be a disciple. Follow Jesus. How do I do that? We want help. Let us know. After the service, our care and team, we'd love to help you with next steps. We hear about small groups coming up. Get in a quad. Our quads are meeting. If you're going, what's a quad? It's a group of men or a group of women. Three or four are getting together and they're doing discipleship and they're growing together. And if you're here today, in fact, there's a couple of people I want to talk to after the service and I have a feeling they're going to come to me. I mean, believe in that. You're calling, that's me. I want you to be a part of that. I got three spots left for a couple, for some guys. Three more spots. Be in that group. Walk with Jesus. Let's do it together. But I challenge you with this. As you are one, now go make one. Go make one. Find your three. Who are the people you are investing in? Three people that you're pouring into, your workplace, and your family. You're saying, oh, these are the people that I'm going to invest in. I'm going to do that work. So I encourage you to do that. We're, we're, there's multiple. Places. If, you're, if you're a student here, united tonight. High schoolers, that's where you need to be. That's where discipleship takes place with other believers, gathering together, small groups, whatever it is. But invite people to that experience. Invite people into a discipleship. It's not pompous to say, as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. There's, perfect, there's imperfection. We're stumbling and, and screwing up along the way, but we're failing forward, aren't we? And we're just doing the best we can as we're following Jesus together. That's the work that we're all called to do. Amen? Can we do that? Let's, do, let's be that church that's called us to be. Let, let's uh, pray together. Let's, let's uh, go before the Lord. God. You are awesome. So you're great. Thank you for the work that you've been doing in us and through us. Thank you for this church. But Lord, I, I, as I've confessed today, there's been moments, I think for all of us, that we've suckered in to this cheap version of grace, this forgiveness only gospel. Yes, this gift is nothing we can earn or deserve and we, we fall at your face at, your, at the foot of the cross again and again and we need to, Lord. But God, we've made an excuse to continue on to live the way we've lived. And God, I pray the conviction of the Holy Spirit will come upon each and one one of us of dying to that mentality, but to die for you and to die in our flesh so that we can live for you and live in you. Lord, this calling to be not a convert, but be a disciple that Lord, you today even speak to the ones I want to be one today. Lord, will you just speak to the hearts right now and say, yes, that's me. I want to be one today. For many of us here, we want to make some today. We want to make some disciples this week. Lord, you do that work, but you want to do it through us. Who are we going to go and make? become disciples, Lord. Put those people in our pathway. Give us sensitivity. Give us courage to live this out. So not just for us to experience the wonderful work of grace, but for so many others that desperately need it in this hurting, broken world this week. We just ask for that, knowing that you honor it, the prayer, because it's according to your will, we pray in Jesus' name.